Hello, I'm T.S. Wright, and welcome to The God-Centered Concept. Episode 5, The God-Centered Process. So, obviously, this entire podcast series is called The God-Centered Concept, but we're going to, for labeling purposes, we're going to call what we're getting ready to talk about as The God-Centered Process, because from this process, we're going to we're going to work to other things, but I think it is extremely important that we understand this particular process before we move forward to anything else in the Bible. So if you want to read along and you're listening, you might be driving and so that may not be possible, but if you're you're at home or you're someplace where you can actually grab an app or a Bible, you can follow along with me in Revelation chapter 3 verses 14 through 22. And so we're going to, I'm going to read through these verses and then we're going to start breaking down this entire process that Jesus has built into these nine verses. So let's go ahead and get started. Revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. How I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing. But you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, white garments so that you may be clothed in your shameful nakedness not exposed, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those I love I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent." Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, as we break down these nine verses, I want to first say that, obviously, the book of Revelation has a lot to do with eschatology and what you may believe or not believe about end-time prophecies and, you know, has this already been fulfilled or is it going to be fulfilled and, you know, is this describing in chapters two and three of Revelation, the seven ages of the church or... Was this being written to specific churches or was it both? You know, there's a lot of arguments about that. That's not going to be the point of this particular uh, few episodes that focus on this. What we're going to actually talk about is something else that Jesus spoke here and gave us that will tell us exactly how to connect to God. He lays it out right here. And I think sometimes we miss this because I think the focus is, is that 
we're talking about the lukewarm church. Or verse 20 may be what we're talking about, where behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. A lot of times that's used when we're talking to somebody who we might be leading to Christ to receive Christ. So I want to I want to first say that I think it's important that we take this entire passage and that we break it down. And what we're going to do is we're going to learn about a process that Jesus has given us inside this. And I think it is one of the most core processes for the Christian, for us Christians, of how to connect with God. And when there's a breakdown in any part of this process, that's why we lose connection to God. Obviously, sin is always the issue and where sin creeps in, but this kind of gives us some specifics to really understand where our connection can break down and how to reconnect to God when it has broken down. So Jesus gives us this here. So I want to first say this. If you want a really good challenge and something that will just help you just deepen your faith with Christ and a way that you can pray through through prayer is I would challenge you to go through the first five chapters of the book of Revelation and write down every name and every attribute listed about Jesus in these first five chapters because there are lots of them. So beyond just what we're talking about in this these next few episodes, that is another thing that you can do that can help you. So for instance, just verse 14, um, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? And here we go. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. Well, we got all kinds of names for Jesus right there. We got all kinds of descriptions for Jesus. We've already, so we can pray those. Those are things we can say in prayer. So I'll be honest with you. I use these all the time and I pray back when I'm, I pray back to Jesus and call him by these names. So the book of Revelation lays that out. I encourage you to do the same. So anyway, that's just kind of a side thing. And I think it can be very helpful to somebody in helping you with your prayer life and just understanding again, who God is, who Jesus is. So let's, uh, let's get started here. Obviously I've talked about verse 14 already and talking about name the names of Jesus and, and they're very specific because what this does is this establishes the fact that he was there with all and now he's he's with us with all authority. I mean the originator of God's creation that right there gives him all authority. If we go back to episode one where we're talking about ownership, well I think the originator of God's creation lays that out. The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. I mean, there's no other faithful and true witnesses. He's it. So we're singling him out as being the one that God has put forth. And of course, he is God. He's the son of God and he comes from God and he is God. And he was there at the beginning because he's the originator of God's creation. It gives him all authority. And it makes him the owner here. Okay, so when we talk about being the king, the owner, however you want to think of that, it puts him in total authority. So when he's speaking these words, we need to listen. 
And when you go to verse 22, I want to throw this in there. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's some translations that will give you a little bit different uh, explanation or, or say that a little bit differently in verse 22. And here's, an, here's another one from the net version. It says, the one who has an ear had better hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a warning. Basically, verse 22 is a warning. It is telling you, not only do you need to listen, but you had better listen. So we need to understand that. And so I believe, and this is just me, I believe this is very relevant, not only for today, but has always been relevant. And so I think reading this, again, it will help us when we break down this process. So let's let's first start by understanding verse 15. And we're going to, I'm going to read this again. I know your deeds. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. Okay. That does, that doesn't sound great. I mean, that is just, it kind of sounds disgusting to be honest with you. I mean, if you've ever had lukewarm milk, it's not really my favorite thing. Ugh. Think of it almost as spoiled milk. So when you, you know, spoiled milk, you taste it. It just, you know what it does. And you, you just want to get it out of your mouth as fast as possible. You also want to get the aftertaste. So not only do you vomit it out of your mouth, but you wash your mouth out because you want to be completely ridded, rid yourself of it. Well, I think when we look at it this way, I think Jesus is saying this. I think Jesus is saying this about this particular church. And so whether you believe this is the seventh age of the church or not, I, I think this is a pretty good description of what is going on within the culture that we're in right now. I think this particular age of the church is, is very uniquely different than the other ages of the churches. And I think in many ways, this is a pretty good description. So I think we need to pay attention here at what this is saying. I mean, he knows the deeds. He's measuring these deeds. They're not cold. They're not hot. He's wishing they were something. But because they're lukewarm, they're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. That's just, it, it just sounds disgusting. And, and I hate to think that we're in a day and age where the way we're walking and the way we're representing Christ is disgusting to him. But I guess when we look at this, we have to, we have to take that into account that in an overall sense that that is what's happening. And so, you know, what are we going to do about that? Well, Jesus gives more information here. So let's, let's continue on. He said in verse 17, you say, I'm rich. I have grown wealthy and need nothing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Ouch. Okay, so we've just had three verses that have absolutely just, I mean, when you when you stop and think about it, and, and you do think of it as, as Jesus speaking to us, and that we're kind of a representation, we're basically a representation of this. 
it kind of makes me just stop and just, it just makes me feel, uh, I mean, I do. I mean, I'm just, just being honest here, not, not sugarcoating it in any way, but I think we have this a lot. I mean, people think that they're rich, that we've kind of got it all and we got all the answers. And when people have that and they've grown wealthy and they don't really think they need anything, that can be a dangerous place. And I think Jesus is saying that here. And he, when he follows it up here and this really drives the point home is, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Okay. That's, there's, there's nothing positive about that. And quite honestly, if you read the other six churches, there was usually something Jesus found about those churches that he liked, but this seventh church, he does not. There is nothing that he is finding that he likes. And if this is definitely, if this is the representation of the seventh age of the church, then it is not a pretty one. And it's definitely the one we're living in right now. So I think regardless if you believe that or not, I think you, most people would still agree that this is a pretty good description because some things are kind of running off the rails and we have to, we have to really pay attention. And, and I think a lot of people understand that, but the problem is, is nobody knows what to do about it. Well, Jesus gives us some answers and he does. And built into his word, he has given us a process here. When we start reading verse 18 and we're going to, we're going to kind of get a, a sense of that process. So, with that in mind, let's just keep reading. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. Well, there's step one right there. Step one of the process is that he is counseling us to buy from him gold refined by fire so that we may become rich. Well, I'm going to tell you what that gold is. Very simply, it is truth. Step one is about buying truth from nobody but him. I want you to think about this. I want you to think of the day and age that we live in right now. How many truths are out there? How many truths, so to speak, are being spoken about? Everybody has a truth. Everybody has facts. Everybody has a perspective. But right here, Jesus is telling us, and gold is, is, is a symbolic word here for truth. And quite frankly, it's more precious than gold. That we are only to buy the truth from him. He's the only seller we should be buying from. He's the only one that when it comes right down to it, when we, when we slice it down, that all other truths are basically, we need to put them to the side and we need to buy the truth from him first and only. I mean, we buy it from him first and we only embrace his truth. And then we become rich. Now, there's another piece to this, refined by fire. 
I find that interesting. So, truth and faith can work together here. Because what he is saying is that we have to put our faith in his truth. We can't just say we believe it and acknowledge it and have some kind of a knowledge of it. But even if you look at the spiritual gifts, one of them is having is faith. You know, one of them is wisdom and, and then there's knowledge. Well, there's also faith and you have to have faith. If we don't put our faith in the truth, and that means trust in it, that means we trust in the truth, then we're not going to become rich. Let me explain this. Becoming rich is not about how much money and possessions and things that you have in this life. What it means is, is becoming rich in our eternal life. Meaning that we not only receive salvation, but that we walk in it and that we build our heavenly rewards with God. And we do that by putting our faith in the truth from Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word. And they are always in total agreement. So I think it's important here that we understand what this is. Refined by fire. So step one is about embracing the truth from Jesus and God's word. And that refined by fire means it stands the test. And that test is we put our faith in it even when it may not make sense. It may be hard. You know, faith, real faith has to be tested. And that's why refined by the fire means. So when the, the fires of life come, we keep our trust in it. All right. And the gold is his truth. So when we've done that, we become rich. So I think that is the most important step in all of this. And it is step one. And it is the centerpiece that leads to all the other steps. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to, I want to give you a little bit of a challenge with this. I want you to start looking at the things that you really believe. The ideals you have, your own idealisms, and ask yourself this question. Do they line up with God's truth? Do they line up with biblical truth? Do they line up with Jesus? Do they line up with what Jesus taught? Do they line up with his spirit? I think you need to ask those questions. I mean, we, we need to take a deep dive and a self-reflective dive in that, not just into his word, but to use his word and filter our life through that and look at what pieces, what idealisms, what beliefs that we might have that don't, that may not necessarily be in alignment here because his truth ranks above everything else. Remember, he's our king. We're his subjects. And if we really want to be in total alignment and to serve him, then we need to make sure that the truths that we believe and the thing and the idealisms that we hold to, they are in alignment with God's truth. And I believe Jesus is saying this here. 
And this is the first step in this process. And so here's my challenge to you. Again, go back and start reflecting. And, and this is a great thing to just journal. Reflect and journal. Reflect on and then journal idealisms that come to mind of yourself and your own personal beliefs about anything. Okay, so, you know, start looking at beliefs you hold about life and salvation and, and the way you view other people and and what your role is here in life and, and all these pieces to your life. And, and just, and I would say this, just pray and meditate on God's word and start thinking about his truth and ask the Lord to reveal to you and to bring to mind anything that is not in alignment with his truth. And if we are really sincere and we are open, God will start doing that. The, the Holy Spirit in us will do that as we pray. He'll start revealing that stuff. And as we do, we need to write that stuff down. We need to pray over it. I'm going to say this. There's going to, might be some things here where your feelings might look a little different. Okay. Than what biblical truth is. That's okay. Don't, don't beat yourself up over this, but say it this way. No matter how I feel, I'm going to put God's truth above how I feel. I may not feel anything. I may feel indifferent about something that God is passionate about, but I'm going to put his truth in front of anything else that I believe or feel. So making sure that, again, it's that alignment thing and it's, it's about coming to the Lord. It's about opening our spirit. We got to come broken and humble. And ask him to reveal that. So we're going to stop this episode right here. And again, I'm leaving you with that challenge. Looking at his truth. Seeing his word. Looking at our life. And how do we, how do our own idealisms line up with God's truth? Until next time, go forth in total surrender to the one who owns and reigns over all creation.